Hey, everybody. If this is your first time, welcome to the Dennis Poulet podcast, Dennis Poulet show. Uh, in this episode, we have a very special guest. His name is Paul Gibson, and he is the senior pastor at Harrodsburg Baptist Church in Harrodsburg, Kentucky, but he is also a marriage and family expert. Yes, I said it. He's an expert. He has a ministry called Healthy Marriage, Healthy Family, and it is so cool to have him with me to talk about uh, having a healthy family, not just during the quarantine time, but at all times. And so a lot of the principles that we're going to talk about today apply to quarantine, but they also apply to regular life. So I hope you enjoy this interview. Thanks for coming uh, on today. Dennis, it is uh, such a cool thing to be here. Yeah, it's uh, it's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have a I don't have a Star Wars shirt on. I need one. I need to go change. Yeah. Yeah, I thought you would be having some kind of uh, Star Wars outfit or paraphernalia or something. I, what does your shirt say? I, I recognize it had something on it, but all right. Do, do no. you know your? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> it's a, it's shalom, peace. Peace is kind of what we're talking about today. We're trying to talk about marriage under quarantine. How have? Uh, how has your life changed? <laughs> well, ironically, if people were watching my life five to ten minutes before getting <laughs> online, it was chaotic. It was reminding myself that, oh, man, i got to scramble and download Skype, which I haven't done yet, while having a dog follow me around the house with two kids uh, asking questions. Uh, so I love talking about marriage and family. Uh, the irony about today's topic is uh, I am definitely not a master uh, of marriage in a quarantine. Uh, my wife is probably the one who you should have on here. Uh, yeah, uh, I thought about I that. I thought about asking my wife to come join me, but she doesn't like the camera too much. So, uh, yeah. But she would be the one to say, this is how it should be done. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think the reality of our current situation is everything has been turned upside down. Um, and... I think the biggest things or the biggest thing that marriages uh, might be struggling with right now is just the loss of routine. Um, You know, prior to COVID-19 escalating to the point to where everything uh, had to be um, either shut down or we all had to quarantine, um, we all had normal routines that we were in every day. We knew that we were going to wake up. We knew that there was going to be a certain uh, morning routine that we would follow. If you have school age kids, you knew that, your kids would then go off to school, and that would give you the freedom if you're working to go to work or if you're staying at home to then go back at home and, and do what you needed to do at the house. Um, there was an expectation that at the end of the day, we would come back together. Uh, and then if the kids had sporting events, you would take them to the sporting event. And then at the, when, at the end of the day, when it was all said and done, we would come back together and we would be able to dialogue and debrief our day. Uh, we've lost that routine, and I think what we're struggling with more than anything uh, is trying to wrestle with and reestablish a sense of normalcy so that our communication patterns could once again get into a routine. Yeah, that's true. I, I definitely think I think 
well, I was going to say my wife has enjoyed probably the uh, not having to wake up super early to get the kids mm -hmm. going for school. My kids have, are actually really, really good when it comes to this whole non-traditional instruction stuff that they've been doing. Um, I've been I've been blessed, actually, that my kids, they will wake up on their own. They will get their work done. We don't have to be on them. So it's a, my kids are a little older, I guess, too. So it's a little bit easier for us whenever it comes to that. But, but yeah, the lack of routine, I think, is it's kind of weird because we've been doing this for like two weeks now, maybe three, and we've kind of gotten into a different routine, and I'm not convinced that I love it the way that it mm -hmm. is. Um, yeah. But, but, yeah, I think it's interesting to think about routine and so what what are some things that we can do maybe to establish a healthy pattern or rhythm during this time do you, do you have some suggestions for that well the same building blocks that are necessary to build a healthy marriage during a normal time are the same building blocks that are necessary to build a healthy marriage uh, during a crisis time although some of those building blocks some of those fundamentals the intensity and the necessity of focusing on those will change a little bit. And here's an example. Uh, when it comes to building intimacy, and I'm not talking about physical intimacy, I'm talking about emotional intimacy, uh, it starts with time. You have to be able to spend time with each other. Well, the challenge when it comes to time is we're spending all kinds of time together now. Where before you would go to work, have that separation from your spouse, that healthy separation from your spouse, come back home and almost be relieved and thankful that there is your spouse. Now you're able to engage them, debrief your day, uh, communicate with them, um, and connect. Well, we're, now we're having to identify when do we communicate, when do we not communicate, what do we communicate about, what do we not communicate about. And um, when I'm not communicating, and, I'm not upset. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like you would come home from work and if you didn't, if you ignored your wife, then there would be a problem. It would some, some, a red flag would come up. And now it's like, like I'm in my basement. If I go upstairs and I don't say something to her, um, it's not necessarily that I am ignoring. It's just that maybe we just talked five minutes ago. Exactly. So even so reading those we, signals are kind of hard, right? Which is why we have to, uh, proactively communicate. Um, I like to use the term painstakingly communicate. If your spouse looks at you and goes, okay, I get it, and you probably communicate it to the level uh, to which you needed to communicate. Um, but spending time together, set aside established time specifically designated for connecting emotionally. And here's the difference. There's a difference between, honey, are you going to take out the trash today versus how are you feeling after you just had that bad work call that I heard you have upstairs. Um, the first conversation is necessary because you're talking about household roles and responsibilities that need to be fulfilled. The second conversation is just a general emotional check-in. Hey, how are you? Those are two different types of communication. And what my wife and I have done, and this is not necessarily uh, the trick for all couples, is we have designated post-work hours um, whether it be after she comes home, I'm working from home. She's a medical person, uh, professional, so she's still in the field. Uh, so we may set aside some time uh, to debrief when she comes home. She tells me about her day. Uh, I tell her about my day. But then later in the evening after the kids have gone to bed, 
but we've designated that time for a kind of deeper check-in time. How did you feel with uh, that bad phone call? She, she might ask me, how was it today? Did you feel overwhelmed uh, taking care of a dog, two kids, and trying to get on the podcast on time? <laughs> um, so it, it's, it's about designating and acknowledging uh, time for you and your spouse to specifically set aside uh, – that sounds bad – set aside the kids. Just make sure you have time when the kids are not around, when the dog's not around, um, so that you're able to truly focus on each other and communicate. So I would, I would say designate time. Identify and designate time for when you want to have those deeper conversations. Okay, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a really good one, especially I think if – you know, like for my family, my, my wife and I, we, we have those times. We don't necessarily like, like there's not like a label we put on it necessarily. You know what I mean? Like it happens probably naturally, um, but we could probably do a better job of saying, okay, let's take this five minutes mm -hmm. or whatever, however long it needs to be and uh, mm -hmm. actually say, okay, hey, so are the kids actually doing their schoolwork and how are mm -hmm. you and uh, do you need more sleep? Uh, all that, all that kind of stuff that that maybe uh, we don't do. I was thinking like about the stress levels. Like stress has gone up, 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 and up in the last three weeks. Um, mm -hmm. So, what are some things that like we can do to help maybe our partners with dealing with stress uh, beyond just talking about how you doing? What are some of those yeah. things that maybe as a husband I can do to help my wife deal with the stress? That's a great question, Dennis. I think the first thing that we have to do is we have to take care of ourselves. Um, as a Christ follower, following scripture, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Two things. There's a holistic uh, emphasis on being a whole person when it comes to loving the Lord. And then we're called to love our neighbor, but we often overlook the second part of that uh, statement, as yourself. So we have to take care of ourselves first uh, to, make sure that we to make sure that we then have the emotional energy uh, to take care of uh, our spouses. Uh, so, for instance, um, when it comes to helping a spouse process emotion, I think it first starts with processing our own emotion. And if we hit a wall to where we're not able to process emotion, then I think that's when we can go to our spouse and we can say, you know, I I'm, I'm stuck. I'm having a hard time. Um, do you mind asking me a question or two? Do you mind um, just sitting with me for a moment and help me try to process what I'm feeling? So I think it starts with we control our own emotions. We process our own, our own emotions. And then if we uh, find ourselves in a place uh, where we're able to name our own emotion, uh, where we're mindful of what we're feeling and what we're thinking, then I think we can go to our spouse. Uh, and, and, and how are you feeling? How are you doing? Uh, be proactive when it comes to reflecting uh, what you're seeing, so it's not just what you're hearing, it's what you're seeing. Hey, you look stressed. Is there anything I can do? Um, but outside of communicating with your spouse, get moving with your spouse. Go on walks with your spouse. Uh, find fun activities to do around the house and outside of the house with your spouse. Um, a very practical matter right now. Uh, for marriages is the fact that for many of us, we work outside of the house and we're used to fist bumps and high fives and just physical interaction. We're hungry for that physical interaction. And thankfully, the Lord gave us this thing called marriage where we are allowed to 
physically interact as much as we want to with our spouse. So I've actually been telling couples to make sure that they continue to focus on their sex life and even lean into that a little more. I mean, if God's giving us this gift of being at home alone, man, let's use it to connect uh, physically. So I think it starts with making sure we're taking care of ourselves. If we can name our own emotions, if we can be aware of our own emotions, then we can uh, help our spouse process their emotions. Uh, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Ask questions. Uh, ask clarifying questions. Hey, I see that you're tense. Is that true? Is there anything I can do? Would you like a massage? Uh, do you need me to cook dinner tonight? And then focus on the physical component of making sure that you are physically connecting, um, whether it be sexual touch or non-sexual touch. Make sure that you are engaging your spouse on a physical level. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's good stuff. Uh, one of the things I was thinking about, I know like in my family, my my um, my wife always says that whenever we got married, that in the vows, it was that she would cook and I would clean. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. one of the things that's been, been happening, like like we're home all the time, so we're not yeah. going out to eat. So mm-hmm. like laundry is piling up and dishes mm-hmm. are piling up. And so I know that some of the stuff that makes her happy is whenever I do the dishes. <laughs> and mm-hmm. as, as crazy and weird as that sounds, like I'm, I'm hoping that uh, maybe she's going to watch this and think I'm like tooting my own horn or whatever. But like what I'm really trying to do is like, let me figure out a way. How can I stay on top of that stuff even more than usual? Because I, exactly. I know that it helps lower her stress whenever she can wake up. And she's told me this before, right? If I can wake up and the kitchen's clean, then it's a fresh mm-hmm. new day. And so like, if I go to bed and I haven't done the dishes now, I don't want to say this on Facebook, but if I, if I go to bed and don't do the dishes, then I haven't been loving her well, probably, uh, throughout well, this quarantine time, at least, you know, like, I just know that that's something that I can do and it's tangible and it's not really that hard. It sounds to me like Dennis, you guys have done a good job communicating what she desires and what you desire. Um, you know, the idea of proactive communication uh, it's not just trying to understand what your spouse may be thinking or feeling, but it's also uh, trying to identify what you can do for them. And it, it's a two-way street because not only do we proactively communicate and say, hey, how are you feeling? Is there anything I can do for you? Then I think if we are the ones that are receiving those questions, like if Tara, my wife, asked me, hey, how are you feeling or how are you doing or what can I do for you, I then have to be able to communicate using the following words. I have to be able to say, I feel. Uh, True story, she came home one day last week and I said, I feel overwhelmed. I said, this is harder than I thought it would be. Uh, Pastoring a church (laughs) from a distance Mm -hmm. while taking care care of two kids uh, and and taking care of a dog. And and worrying about your wife probably too, who's leaving the house every day. Exactly. Yeah, and and you're right. And if I were to be confessional right now, that was something that I had to check myself with last week was, am I praying for my wife just as much as I'm praying for my church members? But being able to communicate to her when she asked me, how am I feeling? Hey, I feel in naming that emotion and not being afraid of um, not being afraid of my response, intimidating her, hurting her. In other words, instead of holding back, being honest in a loving and kind way. So I feel 
in being able to say, I, I want, I want you to do the dishes. I want you to do the laundry. I want you to give me a massage. Um, and then I need, um, I, I, she came home the other day and said, I need some time alone. You got the kids. I'm going driving. Uh, got in the car, listened to Aerosmith for about 30 to 45 minutes, <laughs> dr- drove and got some ice cream and it was all good. Um, but being able to communicate, I feel, I want, I need, uh, and being honest about whatever follows those words. Uh, so proactively communicating what you're feeling, what you're wanting, and what you're needing. So these are the things that, that we need to do even when we're not in a quarantine, right? Exactly. Yeah. So so how have you seen um, things kind of ramp up in the last two weeks? Like maybe not just in your own family, but just among marriages. What are things that you've heard uh, as far as like this is what's really starting to to get on people's nerves or annoy or, or whatever those things are, what, what are those kinds of like red flags that are popping up maybe with, uh, you know, people that you've talked to or your friends or, or whoever? I think there's a low level of tension that people are starting to feel, uh, a low level of discomfort, uh, because we've been at this for three to four weeks now. And, uh, especially Christ followers, they want to put on the best, face possible. You know, the joy of the Lord is my strength, so I've got to be joyful. Uh, but what we're not acknowledging, what we're not being able to name is the fact that we are starting to feel overwhelmed. We are starting to feel stressed. And we are starting to feel grief. We're sad. We miss people. We miss our routines. We love our children, but we want our personal space back. So what I'm starting to see is uh, a, a tension, and underneath that tension is really grief, uh, because we're grieving things that we have lost. Sometimes we want to equate grief with death or with losing something major. We can grieve over the small losses, and depending upon how a spouse is wired, they might take that unnamed grief, and instead of trying to process it with their spouse, they may do the exact opposite. They may for lack of a better term, try to pull up their bootstraps and say, okay, I'm going to toughen this out and I'm going to get through it. When, But the problem when you do that is when we try to bury feelings, they become even stronger. Um, so I've seen this from uh, multiple couples that I've, that I've worked with online. Even my own marriage, um, I've had to work hard at. For me, when I'm hurting, I don't lean or run to my spouse. I run away from my spouse. I have a tendency to want to withdraw. Uh, some people, when they hurt, they uh, uh, instead of withdrawing, they attack. Um, they project their uh, feelings of hurt and anger onto their spouse. Uh, and whether we withdraw or whether we attack and project, um, we have to be able to spend time analyzing, being mindful of where we are, what we're feeling, so that we don't withdraw and so that we don't project. Um, and I started with those basic building blocks of marriage just a few moments ago. Because sometimes when crises hit, we have a tendency to think, what do we got to do? Will we stick to what uh, allowed us to be successful in the first place? But we are aware of the intensity to which we need to use those fundamentals, to which we need to apply those building blocks. So I know because of who I am and and having done some of my own internal work that I'm going to withdraw. My wife knows that I'm going to withdraw. So she's spending a little bit more time than normal saying, hey, are you okay? Are you hurting and not telling me? You feel like you're getting distant again. Um, you know, do I need to, in a fun way, she'll say, do I need to come over there and break that distance up? <laughs> um, so 
is what I'm seeing more than anything, Dennis, is just this underlying tension of sadness and grief and disappointment. And for many different reasons, we want to say it's okay. I'm fine. I'm going to pull up my bootstraps. We're going to get through it. The joy of the Lord is my strength. When quite opposite, when you look at scripture, we see people like David grieve. We see people, uh, again, like David, be honest about how he was feeling. We see people like Job just be gut level honest with their frustration and disappointment. So I think the healthiest marriages right now are marriages that are able uh, to be honest about their disappointment and their grief in the midst of this season. Yeah, yeah. It's um, Sorry, my son walked in. it's It's working from home i'm telling you uh he's like my dog can i use the internet (laughs) my daughter's dog is about 30 feet away from me and my son's downstairs with the tv blasting yeah 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 that those are good those are good things like the whole idea that we are probably all in a state of grief right now is a is a i think is a big eye-opener whenever you can actually acknowledge that and not just, um, you know, I mean, the novelty of this has kind of worn off. Um, It's still an interesting thing that we're living through. It's still something that uh, we're probably going to be dealing with for a little bit longer. Um, But knowing that we are, we're in this, uh, this space of, having lost some things. Um, I think that's an important thing. I think there are some things that maybe we've gained uh, as well that maybe we can, we can um, celebrate instead of grieving. Like I finally get a chance to like my kids are almost getting to the point where they're bored with the internet. Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's a game. That's a win for me. Right. So like my son will come upstairs and will sit on the couch and just like, look at me. And I'm like, cool. We get to have a conversation now. And, uh, so it's, it's kind of an interesting thing, right? Like, um, I think you've just got to, I mean, I know we're missing a whole lot of things, but for me to, to kind of flip that switch and go towards, okay, what is the positive stuff? Like I have time to have this conversation with you, that's a kind of a positive thing, even though I do feel like I'm running and running and running and I've got a lot of things, you know, it's weird how ministry has kind of like it, you know, it's almost ramped up during the time whenever we can't be with people. Um, but in a weird way. Right. Um, so I think if we can figure out, you know, Hey, let's, let's focus on some of those positive things while still acknowledging the things that we're grieving over. Like Alice just said um, that she's missing her grandparents or her grandkids. Right. Um, So that's like, yeah, I can imagine like um, missing out, like not being able to see your grandkids after having been with them, like every weekend for however long it's been. Right. So, so that's a, that's something that, you know, maybe we, we do need to grieve that stuff, look for ways to fill that stuff, even though we can't be physically close to each other and then lean into those people that are actually um, in our household with us. Maybe that's, maybe that's something that we can do. Absolutely. And, um, you know, C.S. Lewis once said that, that God speaks to us the loudest through our pain. Um, and I once had um, a mentor of mine, I was in a season of, of pain and grief. Uh, and my mentor looked at me and he said, are you hurting? I said, I'm hurting. Um, he said, well, don't waste your pain. 
he said, um, allow the Lord to teach you through this. And whether or not God causes a crisis or whether or not he allows a crisis to happen, uh, I go back to the story of Joseph, what was meant for harm, the Lord uh, worked for good. And if we are open, that you know, that kind of open hand concept, okay, God, here I am, this doesn't make sense, I'm hurting, but I know you can take this and make it good and be, and be obediently surrendering to him. Um, I think the Lord is going to teach us a lot uh, through this COVID-19 crisis. Um, you know, and, and it's the irony should not be lost on us as Christ followers, that here we are in this complicated season of grief, yet hope that this will be over soon. It's Easter week. And when we think about the disciples and Jesus's followers, uh, you know, being full of hope and then just being crushed at the fact that they thought that the Messiah was dead and that Jesus truly wasn't the Messiah, because if he was the Messiah, how would he be dead? You know, the grief that uh, they experienced uh, on Black Friday and that Saturday uh, gives us hope because we know that it's through that grief. We know that it's through Jesus's death that resurrection came and God loved to work through pain to bring about redemption, to get us to a better place. So, Dennis, what I, what I pray for, for myself, for my family, for my marriage, uh, and for anyone that uh, I'm working with from a marriage standpoint, I pray that just like the Lord did on the cross, took all that pain and grief and heartache and, and brought about redemption, I pray that through this season of crisis, God is working through the pain to bring us to a place of resurrection where our marriages are healthier, where our families are healthier. It's almost as if the Lord has said, okay, here's a crisis. I'm going to put you in an incubator where every <laughs> raw reality and weakness that may exist in your marriage, it's going to come to the surface. So what are you going to do about it? And praise the Lord for that because we can focus, uh, because we have this time together, we can focus on getting our marriages and families healthier. Yeah, that's something that I used to teach all the time in um – in my uh, f f ministering to families class in Mexico, I would always I would always say, you know, the family is the pressure cooker that God has given to us to learn yep. how to live together and to relate to mm -hmm. one another. Um, and I think as if you add a crisis, a global crisis, on top of already all of the craziness that is family. I mean, let's just admit it: family is crazy at times. Being in a marriage is crazy at times. Being a dad is crazy at times. Um, but you add a global crisis onto it, and then now all of a sudden the true us is coming out, and we have to figure out how how to deal with it, how to love God, how to love others, uh, how to love ourselves during a time whenever it feels like that's all we got. Like we don't, we don't have sports. We don't have our normal outlets that we would have. Like I would have been loving to watch March Madness and just to kind of check out of being whatever I need to be that day, right? But now we don't have that. So now it's like, okay, God has kind of ramped up the pressure for us and allowed us to be going through this to kind of um, probably just to work on us, you know? I mean, I think that's that's what you just said is is a pretty... Um, accurate description of what I believe is happening, that God has given us this opportunity to to come out of this as stronger people with stronger marriages. Um, another question I had for you was, like, what do you think or what kind of advice would you give um, 
for couples to be able to say, okay, we've probably got another three to four weeks, maybe longer, I'm guessing, right? I'm no expert of being in this situation. How can we proactively work right now during this time to be better and stronger after this crisis? Does that make sense what I'm asking? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so first thing I would say is go back to some of the basic fundamentals of marriage that we talked about a few minutes ago. Ask yourselves, how are we doing with those basic fundamentals? Are we spending time together? If we're not, then let's specifically identify ways we plan on spending time together the next few weeks. Uh, let's go on a date where the kids are upstairs and we are downstairs. Uh, or if we have little ones, they're already in bed and we're going to watch a movie and make popcorn. Um, so identify specific ways you're going to spend time together over the next two to three weeks. If you um, have time together, your trust in each other will build. And if you trust one another, then you're going to be able to be vulnerable and honest. So with that time, identify things that you need to communicate about. Maybe you didn't get a chance to uh, make a 2020 budget. Well, what if you use this time? You identified one of the things you want to do uh, for the next, next uh, half of the year, July through December. You want to do a budget. Well, maybe that's something that you can work on as you spend time together. Uh, maybe you recognize that um, you really don't know a lot about each other. And here's something that, that's interesting. Now, I've worked with couples, Dennis that have been married for 40 years. They have built a, a, a good marriage story. They've built a good family, but they don't know some of the deeper uh, inner working thoughts of their spouse. They don't know that um, their relationship with their father uh, was difficult when they were younger. They don't know that they're still wounded from uh, being cut from the high school basketball team. They don't know that um, their best friend turned on them uh, two or three months ago and they're still upset about that. And it's not just negative. We can be married for 20, 30 years and not even know the fun things that our spouses desire. So not only would I designate specific times you're going to spend time together, not only would I designate how we're going to spend time together, I would also try to identify things that we're going to talk about. We, maybe we need to uh, uh, talk about uh, our families uh, and how we're doing with our parents. Maybe our parents are aging and we need to process how are we going to uh, walk with them as they age. Uh, maybe we need, maybe we have a child and we've uh, prayed through and talked through, maybe we need to have a second one. Well, maybe you need to revisit that conversation and hey, you have time home alone. What a great <laughs> time to work towards that. Um, so spend, I, I, would, I would work on identifying uh, ways you're gonna spend time together. I would work on identifying things that you're going to talk about. And then um, I, I would even create a goal. When this is over, where do we want our family to be? Uh, do we want our family to be closer spiritually? Let's say you've never done dinner time prayer and you're going to make it a goal over the next two to three weeks uh, to do dinner time prayer. Maybe you don't do devotion as a family and you're going to make it a goal over the next two to three weeks to start doing a devotion as a family. Uh, maybe your budget is kind of crazy and you're going to make a goal over the next two to three weeks to clarify your budget. Um, so 
time? What are you going to talk about? And then I would even set goals. Where do we want to be? What do we want to have accomplished? Uh, one of the goals that, that we're focused on right now uh, is around our finances. Uh, and it's such a crazy time financially for so many people. So one of the things we're talking through is how do we set appropriate financial goals for the rest of the year? Um, and then something else that I would I would do is, is focus on not just time uh, for yourself, not just what you're going to do together, not just what you're going to talk about and, and address. Uh, I would also think about your family. Um, identify, designate times where you're going to be together as a family. What are you going to do? I think one of the most important things that uh, couples and families need to do throughout this crisis is they need to be active because physical activity resets mental activity. So, you know, if families are going on walks, if families are in the yard playing ball, if families, uh, you know, are out back doing s'mores and, and going on a uh, um, going on a, uh, uh, you know, a, a metaphorical hike and camping trip, uh, physical activity is going to be so important. So make sure when you schedule out that time. Uh, that you're scheduling that time for physical activity. And then I'll say this, and this is, this is just something very personal for me. Um, our parents are in the early 60s, late, set, or late 60s, early 70s. And, um, you know, this, this virus attacks the older population the most. So one of the things that is a goal of ours is to make sure that we are engaging our parents even more. Mm. We're blessed to still have them. Um, and uh, regardless of whether or not COVID-19 is on this earth, uh, we're not guaranteed tomorrow with them. Uh, so we're making sure that we are engaging them as much as possible. And you may be listening to this or watching thinking, well, I've already lost my parents. Who are the older people in your life that you value, that you want them to know how much you appreciate them? Now is a great time to start establishing a goal that you're going to be in touch with them more often. Um, so to me, to kind of summarize, it's how are you going to how are you going to. Uh, uh, capitalize on the time that you have to uh, accomplish the things that you want to accomplish. How are you going to spend time together? When are you going to spend time together? Uh, what are your goals that you want to accomplish by the end of this crisis? Uh, and how do you want to um, uh, interact with those around you? And I saw Alice uh, sent something in about extroverts and introverts. Now's a great time uh, to read the five love languages or to read uh, Gottman's The Seven Principles that, making marriage, that Make Marriage Work. We might not be able to physically get a book from Amazon because I think they're only delivering uh, essential, essential things. But if you have a Kindle, if you have an iPad, you can download those. I think now is a great time for a couple to work through a workbook together, whether it's a, a workbook focusing on marriage or uh, whether it's a workbook focusing on family. A book that I would recommend that all families take the time to read right now is The Whole Brain Child. Um, the Whole Brain Child. Uh, get that. Read it together uh, as a husband and wife. And, 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 uh, you know, and then you're going to be able to have some really good tools in your tool belt uh, to care for your children. Uh, so use this time also to read material, to learn about each other. You, know, you can uh, take the Enneagram test online. You can do it for free or you can take the more in-depth one. Um, that costs money. You can take the Myers-Briggs test. You can uh, take the love language test. You can get free versions of those online. So what a great time to take some of those tests in order to learn a little bit more about each other. Yeah, yeah. The conversations, the tests, the reading together, the spending time together, all of that stuff is going to help us be stronger whenever we get finished 
here. I have to take a second. My mom said hi to me. So you just were talking about spending more time with parents. So I have to at least acknowledge that she says hi and that she's watching. She's, uh, she's always here, always watching. I promise mom, I'll call you soon. Paul just told me to do that. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, yeah. So my biggest supporter is my mom. I'm sure about that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Dennis, let me say one other thing. I think one of the biggest lessons that marriages are learning under quarantine is the need for grace. Um, the Lord knows I have apologized to my children and to Tara more in the last three to four weeks than I probably have in the last three to four years. Oh, my goodness. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. And, and I think that's so important because, again, when you're with somebody in an intense way, um, whether you have small house, big house, smaller houses, I think it's got to be more more difficult then our broken, messy sinfulness is going to come out more. Which means that we're really going to need to be practicing confession and forgiveness. Um, And if if we can practice grace, if we can practice forgiveness, if we can practice confession and be softer as couples and be softer as parents and be more understanding and more patient – Think about the marriages and families we'll have when this quarantine is over. Think about the witness of Christ-like love we're going to be able to share with the world uh, when this crisis is over. If we can use this as an incubator, as a crucible to practice grace and to practice confession and forgiveness. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's... Uh, in our youth group, that's something we've been teaching. I mean, that's what you came fall retreat in November we were talking about, right? And uh, and then just before this happened, we were revisiting that same kind of lesson, like, hey, we need to be forgiving each other. We need to be practicing grace. And and it feels like it's a recurring theme that that I feel like I'm teaching all the time, but I think it's because I'm learning it all the time and I'm I'm needing it all the time for myself. Like I know that time and time and time again that I've messed up and I have to ask for forgiveness. And time and time again, somebody messes up and, and gets me angry and I have to be willing to, to extend grace and give forgiveness to them. And so it just feels like that's just a recurring theme of the Christian life which is mm-hmm. which is actually the Christian life, right? Like we can yeah. forgive because we have been forgiven, and uh, mm-hmm. and so I just yeah, that's that's a good 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 point there. Yeah, um, if any Chronicle of Narnia fans are out there, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, uh, when Eustace is uh, pulled away, the dragon, the hard scale outside shell is pulled away from Eustace. There's pain there. And I saw uh, one of the commenters make the comment that we're losing our idols or we're we're learning what our idols are. And, you know, anytime there's pruning, anytime I think the Lord wants to put us in a crucible so that he can skim off the impurities, um, there's going to be pain involved. And the reason I bring that up now is as we're talking about um, this being a crucible and as we're talking about confession, forgiveness and grace, um, I think one of the things that I'm learning is just the need to slow down and engage the interruptions. 
Uh, and the reason I say that in light of Eustace and it being painful when the scales are being pulled away is because it's a painful thing to realize I really don't have to be doing everything I have to be doing, everything I think I have to be doing. Uh, like this phone call that needs to be made, does it really need to be made now or do I need to pay attention to my daughter? Or, um, you know, this this uh, this wonderful sermon that I'm going to preach on Sunday, do I need to plan it now or do I need to pause and play PlayStation with my son? Um, and it's been painful for me making those choices because uh, I'm, I'm driven. I do want to pastor well, but it's really I think the Lord has been using this to really challenge me to embrace the interruptions. So when my wife calls, am I being more present with her or am I focusing on my task at hand when she comes home? Uh, am I going to set aside whatever I'm doing and, and really, really engage her? If my child or one of my children comes to me and says, hey, dad, I need this. Am I am I answering the question correctly in regards to what's really needed? Um, so, again, I think it's it's a beautiful, painful process for the Lord to use this time to strip away what truly is not essential in our lives and including our marriages. Um, you know, I, I could go on and on and on. But like many uh, of other families, man, we have spent so much more time around the dinner table together. We have spent so much more time on the couch together, watching shows together, playing board games, being outside, taking walks, uh, playing soccer with the dog. Um, we have spent so much more time doing that, and it's been refreshing. And a fear I have as a marriage and family counselor and as a pastor and as a father and as a husband is that when this crisis is over, we're going to go back to the way things were. And if we do, we're going to be losing so many of the valuable lessons I think that the Lord has been trying to teach us through this crisis. Yeah, we will have forgotten everything that we learned uh, during these weeks that we have at home, right? Um, yeah. uh, you said something I, I forgot. I was going to go back to something that you were talking about. Oh, well, it, it's gone. I can't remember it. I'm getting old. But uh, yeah. Gray. Yeah, I'm getting gray. I need to shave that off. That way. I was talking about me. Oh, I'm get I'm getting gray too. I'm getting gray for sure. Okay. Okay. So we're getting there. We're get we'll be wise one of these days. Um one of these days. Yeah. Yeah, the the whole Oh, I was going to say that one time, you know, something I learned early in my time as a dad was uh my my oldest son whenever he was like 3 years old, he used to walk in uh to my office or whatever at home and he would say, "Hey daddy, do you want to play with me?" Mm. And I used to hate that question because the answer is always yes. Do you mm -hmm. want to play with me? Mm -hmm. Of course I want to play with you. Like it's not mm -hmm. like I don't want to, but half of the time that I would have to say, I do want to play with you, but now isn't the time to be able to do that. And so then we would have to schedule a different time during that day to be able to play. But I never wanted him to think that I didn't want to play with him. And so hopefully mm -hmm. as we... As we travel down this road for the next couple of weeks, we can communicate those things well. Like, yes, I do love you. Yes, I do want to spend time with you. I know I have other things I have to do that I'm carrying, um, but I do have you as a priority. And so if I constantly am saying, um, no, I can't play with you. No, I can't play with you. No, I can't hang out with you. No, I can't spend time with you. No, I can't do the dishes then what I'm really communicating is that this stuff is more important than you. And so 
even if we do have things to do, we have to be able to communicate. Let me finish this. And as soon as I'm done with this, I will go and do what you're asking me to do. I used to have to do that with my, with my son all the time too. I'd be like, give me two minutes. Mm-hmm. And if I say, give me two minutes and he would get out a timer, right? And he would say, okay, two minutes is up. I knew yeah. that if I wanted to be authentic and if I wanted mm-hmm. to have integrity, I had to say, okay, what I'm doing right here, that two minutes is up. I already told him two minutes. So I'm going to shut this right now and go and do mm-hmm. the thing that I'm supposed to be doing with him. Um, so I think those are things that maybe we can, we can work on as we're, as we're processing through this. None of us has all the answers. None of us can actually uh, probably walk 100% of the time in the way that we're supposed to. But going back to the forgiveness and the grace and the giving people, a word that's been coming to me this week has been forbearance, which is like, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to overlook those offenses. Mm -hmm. I'm not Mm -hmm. even going to mention them. I'm not going to let them get to me. I, I pray that my family will have a lot of forbearance for with me at this time during this this craziness that that we're living in. Absolutely, um, forbearance is a good word. And and major in the majors, um, you know, sometimes I think we have to choose, especially as parents, what fights we're going to fight. Uh, fight the fights that matter. Um, what I mean is give your children a little bit more grace if they're cranky or if they're overwhelmed or if they're, uh, uh, uh snippy, um, because they're feeling stressed the way we are. And, and a lot of times those little guys have more of a difficult time understanding that it is, str- understanding that it is stress. Um, so yeah, I think forbearance is a really good term. Yeah. But being able to being able to ask for forgiveness and just erase it and move on because tomorrow's another day. That's kind of yeah. kind of the, the rule that I'm living by. So do you got any, mm-hmm. any uh, parting things? I know you have to get out of here uh, probably in like two minutes. So uh, you got anything else that you, you want to say before we take off? Yeah. What uh, my mentor told me almost 15 years ago, uh, don't waste this pain. Don't waste this uncomfortable season. Uh, you know, go back to the story of Joseph, what could be used for bad, the Lord can use for good. So, you know, ask the Lord to show you what is it in your marriages that need to, that, that uh, needs to be cleansed, what uh, things need to be purified, uh, and then apply some of the basic building blocks and fundamentals that we've talked about over the last hour. Um, and prayerfully, by the time this crisis is over, your marriage and your family will be stronger. And, and I've got a ministry called Healthy Marriage, Healthy Family. You can find it on Facebook and you can find it at HealthyMarriageHealthyFamily.com. And the whole reason we named it Healthy Marriage, Healthy Family, Tara and I, is because we believe that healthy marriages create healthy, healthy families. So if you want to have a healthy family, start by focusing on your marriage and use the pain of this season uh, to look for the Lord to shape and mold you. Um, and, and, and in the process of doing so, when this is all over, my prayer is that we have stronger marriages and stronger families. Yeah. Yeah. Mine too. Mine too, for sure. That's kind of the reason that we're talking about this. And uh, just uh, thank you so much for your time. I know that you have a hundred thousand things to be doing right now, like playing soccer with your dog. Um, 
and pastoring yeah, a his church. Name, his name was Pele, the dog. No, I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> we play soccer with our dog too, but then we always have to get a new soccer ball when it's all over. So, yeah. um, but thank you so much for coming on today and talking with me. I appreciate it. I had a lot of fun, and uh, yeah. hopefully we can uh, talk in person again sometime soon. Um, and uh, stay safe, and we're praying for your family and your church. Have a, a wonderful day.